Church. My name is Rebecca um, and today I will be doing the first Bible reading. Uh, before I do the reading, I'll just do a little recap on what we've been reading. Uh, so Israel has descended into civil war. King David's army, led by Joab, has been gradually gaining the upper hand over King Ish-bosheth's army, led by Abner. But then Abner decided to go over to David's side. But this may lead to more trouble because Abner had killed Joab's brother in battle. Now let's start our reading on page 242, 2 Samuel, chapter 3, verses 22 to 30. So that's 2 Samuel, chapter 3, verses 22 to 30, page 242. Just then, David's men and Joab returned from a raid and brought with them a great deal of plunder. But Abner was no longer with David in Hebron because David had sent him away. He had gone in peace. When Joab and all the soldiers with him arrived, he was told that Abner, son of Ner, had come to the king and that the king had sent him away and that he had gone in peace. So Joab went to the king and said, What have you done? Look, Abner came to you. Why did you let him go? Now he is gone. You know Abner, son of Ner. He came to deceive you and observe your movements and find out everything you were doing. Joab then left David and sent messengers, messengers after Abner, and they brought him back from the cistern at Sirah. But David did not know it. Now when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside into an inner chamber, as if to speak with him privately. And there, to avenge the blood of his brother, Ashahel, Joab stabbed him in the stomach and he died. Later, when David heard about this, he said, I and my kingdom are forever innocent before the Lord concerning the blood of Abner, son of Ner. May his blood fall on the head of Joab and on his whole family. May Joab's family never be without someone who has a running sore of lepros or leprosy or who learns or who leans on a crutch or who falls by the sword or who lacks food. Joab and his brother Abishal murdered Abner because he had killed their brother As Asahel in the Battle of Gibeon. Gibeon. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. My name's Rebecca. Our second Bible reading today is from John chapter 8. You can find that on page 868. John chapter 8, beginning at verse 31 and going through to 47. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, 
and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Keep your Bible uh, open there at John chapter 8. If you just closed it, it was on page 868. And um, please bow your heads and join me as I, as I lead us in prayer as we look at God's Word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that um, your Word is unlike any other Word that has been spoken through human history, that this book has words that bring life uh, that we can't find anywhere else. And so we pray, Father, that you'd help us this morning. Please um, help us all to concentrate well and to listen to you well. Um, please help me to explain your word faithfully and clearly. And we pray most of all, Father, that you would make the change in our hearts and minds that needs to be made this morning, whatever it is. We pray that you would do it, please, because we know that you are gracious and kind. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, due to technical difficulties, uh, our sound system's not working for what I wanted to happen before I got up this morning, so instead we'll have to see how it goes uh, from here. Sorry, just give me a second. It's really not worth this, but, of course, my phone just lost it as well. Okay, okay, okay. See, see how we go from the... Um,
Okay, that was, of course, Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones. No doubt with teenage girls screaming their approval. Mick Jagger singing, I'm free to do what I want any old time. I'm free to please what I choose any old time. So, love me, hold me, love me, hold me. But I'm free any old time to get what I want. Ladies, let me ask you, would you like to be romantically attached to a man like this? He's pretty much saying, yep, come on, come love me, hold me, but just, just to be clear, let's get it on the table. I'm still free, right? So I'll do whatever I want, whenever I want, and if you're good with that, let's go. Uh, if you're thinking about romance and dating, little tip, this not good, okay? This is not the kind of man you want. This is pretty clear, isn't it? This idea of freedom, this is like a poisonous and selfish and destructive version of freedom, isn't it? But then how different is it from your idea of what freedom is? I mean, if you had absolute and complete freedom, what would it look like? Wouldn't it look like being free to do what you want and get what you want any old time? And if not, how are you free? And I wonder, if if that's what true freedom is, then is freedom a good thing after all? Well, the answer is, absolutely it is. In fact, we desperately need to be truly free. But true freedom is nothing like Mick Jagger's version of it. Mick Jagger is like a kind of something that seems to look the same or very similar but it's actually pure poison. Uh, It's a bit like bleach and water. You know, bleach is just a poisonous lookalike of water. And Mick Jagger's idea of freedom is actually the definition of slavery. Drink it and you'll die. See, it turns out that it's not that easy for us to understand what true freedom is. Uh, It's not because freedom is hard to understand. It's because we're kind of wired to think that slavery is freedom. Now, the good news is Jesus helps us out, okay? So, in our passage today, Jesus shows us not only what true freedom is, but how we can be free. Uh, Now, just to get you up to speed on where we are, we've been working through John's Gospel, um, and in this section, Jesus has been in Jerusalem at the annual Feast of Tabernacles, Um, And in the middle of this huge crowd of thousands of pilgrims, Jesus stood up and publicly declared all these outrageous things about himself. Uh, He claimed that he'd been sent from God. He had God's authority. He claimed that he was the one who gives the water of life, who gives God's spirit. He, He said that he is the light of the whole world. And so he'd already done miraculous signs to show people who he was and now he stood up in public and called on people to come to him and believe in him. And in this last section of his, this is the last bit of Jesus at the Feast of Tabernacles and it's all about true freedom. 
Uh, now, just before I go on, a little note about the outline. There is an outline in your info sheets. Uh, so you know, I'm going to spend most of the time on the next point, how to be truly free. And in fact, the two points after that, I'm not even going to be able to get to them. We, we don't have time to look at sort of the middle section of this passage. Um, but there'll be things on the, on the screen to help you follow along. So, how to be truly free. Um, have a look with me in John chapter 8 at verses 31 and 32. This is where it starts. Verse 31 on page, bottom of page 868. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So how can you be set free? Uh, well, it's that first thing he says, okay? If you hold to my teaching. Uh, we'll come back to that idea later of holding to Jesus' teaching because it doesn't mean just living a life of love and kindness like Jesus taught, okay? We'll come back to it. But first of all, Jesus' listeners get all offended at this talk about how they need to be set free and how it, it sounds like Jesus is saying that they were slaves to someone, okay? And the Jews were very proud of the fact that even though they were under the Roman Empire at this time, they considered themselves spiritually free because they were Abraham's descendants. They tell that to Jesus in verse 33, but Jesus goes on to tell them, well, that doesn't make them free. In fact, all of us are born into slavery, according to Jesus, and we will all live and die in slavery unless something radical happens. Um, look at what Jesus says in verse 34. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. See, uh, according to Jesus, what does it mean to be a slave? Well, it's got nothing to do with whether you're politically oppressed or whether your job is lousy and your boss is a bully. Slavery is being controlled by sin, having sin as your master. And sin is not just about um, making mistakes or doing wrong things. Sin is about living in any way that is not all about glorifying God and being thankful to Him. Okay, Paul makes that very clear. I, I reckon... Uh, this is a really helpful definition of sin. Um, Romans chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Then verse 21, he says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. See, that's what sin is, living for anything that's not glorifying God and expressing your deep thankfulness to Him. Now, that can show itself in all kinds of ways, in violence and dramatic things that will get on the news, uh, or just in plain selfishness, uh, or in pride and arrogance, or greed, or lying, uh, or just living for number one, for your own comfort. But all of those things are just symptoms of this underlying sickness 
which is a heart that's turned away from God and to turn in towards yourself. And Jesus says, if your life is characterised by sin, then you are a slave to sin. That is, you can't get out and it's a vicious cycle. You sin, which makes you a slave to sin, and that means you've got to keep on sinning, which makes you a slave to sin all the more. And it keeps going. Oh, well, uh, so if slavery is living a life turned away from God, what would freedom be? Oh, well, uh, that's pretty obvious. Freedom is when the entire goal of your life and everything you do is to glorify God and show your thankfulness to Him. But hang on, uh, you might be wondering, why is that freedom? Okay, I mean, you, you might describe that as goodness or like religiousness or something. But is it freedom? I mean, it doesn't sound like you get to choose what you want to do. You just got to do what God tells you, right? And it certainly doesn't line up with Rolling Stone's freedom, does it? You know, I'm free to do what I want any old time. Well, here's the thing. Uh, We need to completely rethink our understanding of freedom. And Jesus makes us do that, actually. See, if freedom means that I am in complete control of the kind of person that I am and the choices that I make in life, nobody can ever be free. That is, that kind of freedom doesn't belong to us. It only belongs to God. God is the only one who is completely independent from outside influence, who's completely in control over his choices. Okay, we're not God. That kind of freedom doesn't belong to us. We always live with our choices channeled in one direction or in another. Okay, we make real choices, but the direction we are traveling is chosen by our master. That's why in Romans chapter 6, we won't go there, but Paul says that all of us are either slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. Okay, we aren't in control of the direction of our lives. Now, if you're a slave to sin, you get to make real choices, right? But they're choices between one kind of godlessness and another. You get to choose between the godlessness of greed or the godlessness of pride, What's your flavour? Or between worshipping the idol of pleasure or worshipping the idol of money. What you can't do is choose to change your heart so that your deepest longing is to love God and glorify Him with your whole life. Now, if you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus, you might feel free like Mick Jagger. But that doesn't mean you are free. Uh, Put yourself in this scenario, okay? You've just jumped out of a plane, right? Uh, Without a parachute. Important detail. Are you free at this moment? Yeah, like in one sense, totally, right? I can imagine that for this fleeting second, you'd have this amazing feeling of total freedom, okay? in, In a way, you'd be more free than you are right now sitting in that chair. Okay, you're you're free to move absolutely any way you want. Move your arms and legs anywhere, twist around, upwards, down, backward, forward. Okay, nothing stops the way you move except for wind resistance, right? You You could spin at 100 revs a second. Try doing that now, can you? No, see? 
What freedom! Are you free to get back in the plane? No. You can make a thousand free movements, but the general direction you're headed won't change. Your master is gravity. And of course, the end of that journey is going to be pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, It's the same with being a slave to sin. If your master is sin, the Bible tells us there's only one destiny for you, and that is death and God's judgment, which is facing the eternity of hell. All right. So after all that, it's time for the big reveal. What does it mean to be truly free? Here it is. Freedom is not just being able to do whatever you want. Freedom is wanting wanting what is good and being able to do it. Do you see the difference? So you are doing what you want, but what you want is the best thing. Freedom isn't being able to do what my sinful nature would love. It's being able to love what God loves and do that. And, you know, everyone who finds this freedom automatically, instantly becomes a child of God and inherits eternal life. Do you see in uh, verse 35 what Jesus said? Verse 35, he says, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And he's talking about God's family there. See, Rolling Stone's freedom is slavery disguised as a good time. True freedom is being rescued from sin to live as God's son or daughter forever. So the question is, how can we become free? If we're born with our hearts set, pointed in this direction away from God, how can we become free? Verse 36. Verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus can set you free. That is the only way to freedom. Uh, See, none of us can become free by deciding to change, no matter how much we want to. None of us can change our own heart and turn it around to go from living as rebels to living for God, with him as our master. But Jesus is the one who brings about that change in us. And he does that by, first of all, forgiving us for everything that we've done and do and will do that dishonors God. He washes all that away, clothes us in his perfect righteousness and makes us children of God forever. No one can take that away from you. And then he puts his spirit in us and gives us a new heart. That is, he gives us this brand new love for God that you didn't have before and a brand new love for the things that God loves and a new desire and ability to say no to sin and yes to your new master, God. Uh, Last week, if you were here, um, you would have heard Sam Damo's story. I mentioned it before about how God had turned his life around. Uh, It was an amazing story, wasn't it? Um, Sam got to the point where he realized that his whole life 
was fake, was a sham. He was living a double life. He looked good and respectable, but he knew that he was living a life of selfishness, lies, and plain evil. And so he tried his absolute hardest to change and to start to live a good life. And you remember he said the more he tried, the worse his life of sin became. The more he tried to change, the worse he sinned. He was a slave to sin. And sin is a very clever master, like a cat, right? It, it strokes us with its soft, padded paw. As soon as you try to get away, out comes the, come the claws and it grabs on. Well, Sam finally, in his desperation, cried out to God, God, I can't do it. And God said to him, you can't do it, but I can. The only way to be set free is if Jesus sets you free. And the reason why Jesus can set us free is what we discover, here's where I'm going to jump right down, in the last few verses of the chapter. In the very last section, this is one of the bits of the Bible where we get a glimpse, just this tiny little flash of a millisecond, we get a glimpse of Jesus' true glory. This is just mind-blowing. Listen to uh, verses 56 to 59. Verse 56. Jesus is talking. He says, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham? Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Some of you will recognize just what a huge claim Jesus is making here. Um, Jesus isn't just saying that he existed before Abraham was born 2,000 years earlier. Like, that'd be crazy enough, right? But Jesus doesn't say, before Abraham was born, I was. He says, before Abraham was born, I am. And in the Old Testament, uh, that phrase, I am, is like a personal name for God himself, for the one and only God, the one who created everything that exists, who has existed for all eternity. And that phrase, I am, as like a name or title for God, that's especially important in two sections of the Old Testament. Um, And, well, here's the coincidence. Okay, it's not a coincidence. Both those sections are all about God rescuing, freeing his people from slavery. Okay, the first, uh, the first section is the book of Exodus, where God rescued his people Israel from physical slavery in Egypt. Uh, and that starts in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, where God reveals himself to Moses. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. But many centuries later, the people of Israel found themselves once again slaves in a foreign land, this time not in Egypt, in Babylon. And this time it was clear that the problem wasn't just political slavery, 
the bigger problem was the heart problem. That is, they needed rescuing from their own sin, from slavery to sin. And Isaiah chapters 40 to 48, this big slab of Isaiah, are written to those people. And time and again through those chapters, God says to them, I am the only one who can rescue you and set you free from slavery and sin because I am the only God who exists. And all through that section, that same phrase comes up, I am, I am, I am. Uh, Now, it's actually a bit harder for us to recognize that when we're reading Isaiah because we're reading an English translation of the Bible. We're not reading the Bible in the original languages. Uh, And in our NIV translations, that phrase in Isaiah, um, in our NIV, is translated, I am he. Okay, not just I am. But actually, they're exactly the same words as Jesus used. Same phrase. Uh, Let me just fly through some of these examples from this section of Isaiah. Uh, Chapter 43, verse 10. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he, before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. Chapter 43, verse 25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Chapter 46, verse 4, even to your old age and grey hairs, I am he, I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Chapter 48, verse 12. Listen to me, Jacob, Israel, whom I have called. I am he, I am the first, and I am the last. Who is Jesus, really? Jesus is the Son of God. Which doesn't mean that he's less than God. It means that he is fully and truly God Because he was with the Father from all eternity and he is one with the Father. And that is why Jesus can make this outrageous claim in John chapter 8 that he and only he can rescue us from that slavery to sin and make us God's children forever. He can make that outrageous claim because he is God the rescuer become flesh. And God is the only one who can possibly rescue you and me from sin. Now, it's just that no one could possibly have known or guessed just how God was going to rescue us from sin in the end. He did it by entering our sin-ravaged world in the form of a flesh-and-blood man who then took the weight of all that sin on his shoulders and carried it down with him into death. See, the price of our freedom was the human life of the one who is the great I am. Well, to finish, uh, I actually want to come back to verse 31 because there's one thing there I skipped over. See, we've seen that we're all born as slaves. Uh, We can't free ourselves, okay? The only way we can find freedom is if Jesus sets us free, free from the penalty and the guilt of sin and also 
free from the power of sin. That stops us living to love and glorify God. So Jesus sets us free, but is there anything we do in that process? Well, yes, there is. Uh, It's there in verse 31. See it there? Uh, To the Jews who believed in, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples and the truth will set you free. Okay, that is the reason that we, sorry, the, the way that we receive Jesus' freedom and the way that we know that we've been freed is by believing what he said. Okay, by holding on to the truth of his word that has brought us life. Okay, and holding on to Jesus' teaching, well, that means above everything else, accepting and believing what he said about himself. That he's the Son of God who came from the Father with all the authority of God and he came to die so that we could have forgiveness and eternal life if we trust in him. And it also means uh, believing and accepting everything that Jesus said about living as his follower, how to live for God, to love and glorify him. But uh, there's actually a sting in the tail here. Because when Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, what he's really saying is, well, the people who are my true disciples are the ones who hold to all of my teaching. It's the people who joyfully accept and submit to everything I've said. See, uh, did you notice, I don't know if you noticed the really strange detail in verse 31. Who is Jesus talking to in this whole passage? Verse 31, it says, to the Jews who had believed him. But two verses later, they start arguing with Jesus about what he's saying, about his teaching. And as the debate goes on, it escalates big time, right? They they don't just argue. Down in in verse 48, they accuse him of being demon-possessed. They say, you're mad. And by the end, verse 59, they are physically picking up stones to try to kill him on the spot. What is going on? Are these that these people really believe Jesus? All through John's Gospel, there's this theme where Jesus can pick the difference between true faith and shallow belief that really isn't going to last very long. He knows us on on the inside. I can't pick that. And that that seems to be what's going on here. These people are, are people who initially accept the things that they hear Jesus saying, but he knows that they will reject some of the things he says, which ultimately means they're going to reject him. Chuck it all in the bin. Because they haven't completely trusted in his word. Um, Now, there really is so much comfort and good news in this passage. I don't don't want to uh, diminish that at all. Jesus really does free us from sin when we turn to him. It's amazing news. But there's also this subtle warning here. It's a test that the Bible says that we need to apply to our own hearts from time to time to to see whether we really are in the faith. And the test is this. Do you accept everything that Jesus tells us? Everything about himself, everything about us, everything about the life he has for us? Do you joyfully and fully and steadfastly believe and submit to all the truth in his word 
even when it's really uncomfortable for you or uh, even the bits that you're tempted to quietly ignore or explain away? And will you hold on to all of that truth, not just for a week or a month, but until the Lord calls you home or he returns? See, Jesus' truth is an all-or-nothing package. Okay, He's either the Lord or he is a demon-possessed madman. He's clearly not a demon-possessed madman. So ask God to rescue you from the foolishness of thinking that you can pick and choose which bits of his truth you would like, like it's a fruit salad where you can pick out out the bits you like. There is a uh, river in California called Salsi Puedes Creek. Salsi Puedes Creek. Um, It's Spanish. Ask my kids. Uh, Salsi Puedes in Spanish means get out if you can. Um, It's a name that's sometimes used if there's a river, that it's a fast-flowing river um, in a steep gorge. Okay, so it basically means if you fall in there, good luck getting out because you won't. The freedom of Mick Jagger is like choosing whether you're going to do backstroke or freestyle in Salsi Puedes Creek as you're being dragged towards a towering waterfall. The message of Jesus, his truth, the whole, his whole word in the Bible is the rope and harness hanging down to you from the rescue chopper. So I want to say, if, uh, if you know that you're not free in the true sense, that is, if you haven't come to Jesus, if you haven't been forgiven by him, if your life hasn't been turned around so that you're living for God and not for yourself now, then grab the rope, please. Turn to Jesus, accept who he is and what he did, the amazing thing he did to rescue us and accept his claim as king over your life and you will find freedom. Uh, If you are free, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus and like the rest of us, you're struggling along, living for your Lord, then keep clinging onto that rope. Keep holding on to what Jesus says, to his promises, to the comfort in his word, to his guidance for us. Um, it's, It's not an easy way to live, okay? The devil would love nothing more than to convince you and me to chuck it all in, turn away from Jesus' truth and start living for yourself again. But even if it just feels like a struggle some days, it really is true freedom. And Jesus promises that you will never truly taste death because you already have a permanent place as a child in God's kingdom. And finally, if you would say that you're a believer, but you've realized that actually there are bits of of Jesus' truth bits of the Bible that you don't want to accept or that you think are too offensive or painful or fanatical or old-fashioned, then please, please listen to Jesus' warning. You can't be half in the rescue chopper and half hurtling down the river. Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, the truth will set you free, free to love what God loves, free from sin to live as God's son forever. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, your word, the word of our Lord Jesus, 
is light and truth and life and so often our thinking is darkened um, because of this inbuilt tendency that our hearts have to turn in towards ourselves, to turn in on themselves and to turn away from you. Father, please clear up our thinking to understand the beauty and goodness and glory of living our whole lives to honour and love and serve and thank you. And Father, please help us to flee to Jesus, the one who rescues us and the one who died so that we could be rescued and become your sons and daughters. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.